What's going on, family? This is Pastor Sergio Chavez, and I just want to thank you for tuning into the Hope Center podcast. I'm going to give you some context to this reading. Paul wrote this letter to the church in Ephesus while he was in prison in Rome. The purpose of the letter was to encourage, but also to admonish the believers. He wanted to encourage them by reminding them that they had immeasurable blessings on behalf of God and that they shouldn't forget that. But at the same time, they needed to live their lives and conduct themselves in a manner that was worthy of being recipients of those blessings. There wasn't anything that they were able to do to earn God's love, but for the outside world, because we've received his love as, as the church, as the body of Christ, we should conduct ourselves in a manner that shows to the world that we are worthy of being recipients of those blessings and of that love. It is the only way that the world can tell that we are authentic. And during this time, the church of Ephesus and Christians or those who followed the way, as they were called during this time, were being radically persecuted. And so Paul was saying, I'm here in prison, but you all are representing Christ where you are. And your authenticity will speak to what God is doing. People are questioning whether our message is real, whether it is authentic, whether it is true. And the only way we show that is through our conduct. And so about 30 years later, Christ gives the Apostle John a vision in Revelations where he writes out a letter to the church in Ephesus. For 40 years, the church of Ephesus was dedicated. It worked hard on paper. They were perfect. They followed every rule. They were zealous about the truth. They had policies in place. They, they worked to feed the poor and take care of the widows, and they did everything that they needed to do. But their hearts had turned away from their first love. And so Christ said to them, I see your work. I see your dedication. I see what you're doing. But the thing that I have against you is that you've forgotten your first love. You've forgotten your passion. The church of Ephesus had become a routine. Everything that they did had become mechanical. Coming to church, setting up, doing things, showing up just to mark a checkbox. I attended church on Sunday. It was a routine. They had lost the passion. They had lost the why behind what they were doing. So on paper, the resume looked great, but their hearts were no longer in the right place. And so Christ is saying, at the end of the day, if you don't have love for me, what is the point? Do you show up on a Sunday just to check a box and say, well, I feel good about myself? Do you come to just warm up a seat? Has the walk become so routine and mechanical that showing up is just a habit, doing the work is just a habit, but the passion is no longer there? And so Paul writes this letter to the church of Ephesus knowing the possibility, him being in ministry for so long, he knew that times would get tough. He knew that this could become mechanical. He knew that this could become routine. And he's warning them and saying, my prayer for you is that you be rooted and grounded in love. 
And so today, I want to focus on the kind of love that Paul desired for the church, not just for Ephesus, but on the kind of love that Christ revealed to him for the entire body, including us today. You know, when I think about, when I think about certain things, it really reminds me of my daughter. When I think about, you know, the way that Christ loves us, I think about my, my daughter. And any time I'm, I'm in a place where I'm like, there, there is nothing right now that she could do to make me love her more. I mean, even when she's crying all over the place and she's nagging, but she does these things that are just, oh my God, I just love her. And then just when I think that I couldn't love her enough, she comes without me even asking and she'll come up and she'll wrap her arms around my neck and she'll start giving me kisses all over my face and my heart just completely melts and it's as if I have a newfound love for her that I didn't even know existed. It's no different in our walk with Christ. The more we get to know him, the more we fall in love. And his desire is that as we enter our intimate moments with him and as we seek him, that we learn to discover and reach the fullness of who he is, understanding what his love has done for us. So I wanna focus on two things today. I wanna to talk about what it means to be rooted in love, and I wanna talk about what it means to be grounded in love, because they are two different things. Don't worry. Take, your, take out your pens, take out your notebooks, take out your, your, your Bibles, if you have them, your apps, whatever you gotta do, your phones, write this down. My husband always says there is a special place in heaven for note takers, it's somewhere in the Bible, we'll find it later, but make sure that you are taking notes. Rooted in love. Now this, this part, this concept is dealing with the inner man. It's dealing with what's on the inside. Because when we think about the word rooted and we look up its definition, it means ingrained. It means to be fixed tightly. It means to be anchored and it means to have its origin or cause. In other words, it's a seed form. Now, anytime we talk about the word root, we're referring to an agricultural term. So typically the idea or the image that comes to our mind when we're talking about roots is the image of a living tree that has roots that go all the way down deep into the ground. And what, what research has found is that when a tree is planted in good soil with the right amount of oxygen and it's getting the right amount of nutrients and water, its roots can grow to be as deep as 20 feet underground. And what is the purpose of the roots? The purpose of the roots are to anchor what is being grown. It's to anchor the tree. So what's taking place is that the roots begin to kind of twist around the rocks and the soil and anything that they find to attempt to anchor themselves so that come what may, whatever is growing is not going to come crumbling down. Now, for anything to be rooted, I'm going somewhere with this, so follow me. For anything to be rooted, it has to start in seed form. You can't have a plant without first having a seed. So whatever seed is planted is what it will produce. You can't expect that if you produce, if you plant apple seeds, you're gonna get a mango tree. It doesn't work that way. When we see a mango tree, we automatically assume rationally that mango seeds were planted to produce the mango tree, right? 
So the fruit that you bear will tell me of its origin. It will tell me what it's based out of. Here's an example. If I'm around somebody that's pessimistic all the time, anytime I come around you, you're frustrated, you're angry, you give me this negative vibe, you know, I'm kind of like, oh, I don't know if today I should say hi, or, you know, do I step in here today, or, ooh, I just walked in that room, it seems a little bit tense up in there. You know, if, if, if the vibe just seems to be a little off, there's always, it, something's always annoying you, you're always frustrated, they, they, you're always angry, then I can assume that there's been a negative seed that was planted. And so that negative seed has taken root in your life and is now allowing you or enabling you to project negative behavior. Are you following me? Now, if you are an optimistic person and every time that I'm around you, you encourage me, you have words that are uplifting. I know things aren't always, aren't always perfect in your life, but somehow you, you've got a smile on your face. You're doing everything with a positive attitude. You're going after the things of God and you're saying, come what may, I'm going to keep pursuing this thing. And you're always uplifting and edifying other people and, and you're putting other people before yourself and you're not selfish, but you're selfless then I can assume that the seed that was planted at some point in time was a positive one. And so it is now enabling you to project positive behavior. Are you following me? All right. The biblical definition of love is rooted in selflessness. 1 John 3.16 tells us this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. That means that the origin of everything that we do has to come from a selfless place. If what you are doing is not coming from a selfless place, then I have to question the authenticity of what is on the inside of you. If you're calling yourself a Christian, if you're calling yourself a believer, if you're telling me that you are a follower of the way, that you are a follower of Christ, that you desire to be like him, that should be our pursuit every single day. Christ, make me more like you. But the fruit that you bear is speaking otherwise. Then I have to question the authenticity of the fruit, of the origin of the seed. And so I want to talk to you quickly about the parable of the seed and the sower. This is found in Matthew chapter 13 verses 3 and 8. We don't have it on the screen, but I'm going to read it really quickly to you. This is Jesus speaking to the crowd. He says, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell, some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop a hundred, sixty or thirty times what was sown. There's four things about being rooted here that we can learn about the seed. Sometimes love is eaten up by painful experiences. People that hurt us, we gave our love, we extended it, somebody took it and they took advantage of it. They hurt us deeply. And so now what that has caused is that we now put up a wall for 
a, a wall that blocks out love. So even when people genuinely care and are genuinely interested in what is best for us, it's almost hard for us to let the love in because we've already given it over one time and because somebody abused of it, because somebody took it and took advantage of it and hurt us and put us in a position where we felt compromised and vulnerable, all of a sudden the wall does not allow us to receive the love. And then there's the type of person where sometimes love is planted, but it dies over time because it has nothing to hold on to. It has no anchor. This is the kind of love that gets excited in the beginning. You know the people that get passionate when they're talking about launching a business or passionate about the new relationship that they're in. Give it a few months. Or the marriage, you get all excited about it. And you know, you're in that honeymoon stage maybe for just the first two weeks. And then things just, all of a sudden, when stuff starts to get hard, you kind of, you just, you retract, you stop paying attention to it, you stop cultivating it, you stop feeding it, you stop pouring into it. And over time, this is the type of love that just withers away. It becomes polluted, diluted, it diminishes. And when we come to ask ourselves, we're like, what happened? What happened was that you planted something in the beginning, it looked great, it looked beautiful, it looked like it was growing but you didn't cultivate it enough for it to have an anchor. So it's easily withering away. And then sometimes we have the type of love that's choked with greed, lust, and pride. This is the type of love that doesn't even have an opportunity to bear good fruit. Maybe people have loved on you, maybe you're showing up at Hope Center, maybe you're learning about love, maybe you're trying to show love, but all of a sudden on the inside there's this internal battle where the things that, that, you, that you know you should be doing, you're not doing, and instead selfishness um, overpowers selflessness, and so what tends to happen is that your interest is more in yourself than in the interest of others. So this is the type of person that says, well, you know what? I know I'm a believer, but as long as I'm good, that's all that matters. You might see your brother or your sister that is in need of something, but you're saying, well, you know, Lord, provide for them. And Jesus is saying, that's why I'm touching you. I use the church to provide the need. This is the type of love that is self-interested. It doesn't, it's not love at all. It doesn't, it doesn't give time for true love to bear fruit. But then there's the type of love that's planted in good soil and it develops deep roots. And this is the type of love that Paul was talking about. This is the seed of love that lands in our hearts and that we cultivate because the seed is planted, but we have to cultivate it. This is the type of love that we feed, we spend time in prayer, we join the 21-day fast, we go to huddles, we have accountability, we, we spend time um, doing our Bible study, our devotion. We do what we have to do to grow and to learn and to cultivate the seed that has been planted inside of us so that it's anchored deeply in Christ. This is also the type of love that when it's planted somewhere where it's not growing, we learn to pick it up and replant it in an environment where we know it's going to grow. 
It's a type of person that understands if the relationship that I'm currently in is toxic and I know I'm trying to pursue God and this is not something that is getting me closer to him or closer to my destiny or closer to my purpose, then I need to replant myself so that I can bear good fruit. Or it's the type of love that says, you know what, maybe right now my marriage isn't looking the way that it's looking, so I need to spend more time. I need to give it more time. I need to place it as priority. I need to make sure I'm cultivating the relationship that I have with my spouse. Or it's the type of love that says, you know what, maybe my children are seeking my attention. And yes, there might be a game on today that I really want to watch, but this is my seed. This is my generation. My legacy is passed on through them. The TV can wait. It is the type of love that cultivates and wants great anchors deeply rooted in love. That is the type of love, rooted love, that Paul referred to when he said, I wish and I pray, my desire is that you be rooted in love. And then he goes on to talk about being grounded in love. And this has to be my favorite. Because being grounded in love has to do more with the outside. When we think about the root, we're thinking about the inside. We're thinking underground. But we think about something being grounded, we're thinking about the outside. We're thinking about something that is above ground. Being grounded is more of a foundational term. So it means that your base or your foundation is set and everything that is being added on to it is done within the confines of the foundation that you've established. I can't build a house and put my foundation over here and then try to build my house over here. It's not gonna stay up because the foundation was built here. The house was meant to be built on top of the foundation. So the purpose of the foundation is to sustain the weight of everything that is being added onto it. So when we are grounded in love, our foundation is Christ. And Christ, who is the immovable rock, is what we build on top of. That means that everything that we do is built on top of Christ. It is founded on Christ. Christ is the base of it. And if it's not gonna fit well within the confines of the foundation, then we don't put it on or we don't add it on. This is what it is to be grounded. So that means that love has a structure because when we think of foundation, we think of buildings, we think of establishment, we think of form, and when we also think of being grounded, we think of something that's prohibited or even prevented. So if love has a structure, it means that we have to be intentional with it. It's not just about the seed. We have to be intentional about how we're demonstrating love. Just because you carry your father's DNA just because you carry the seed doesn't make you like your father. Are you getting what I'm saying? So just because I'm carrying the seed or just because I'm calling myself a believer doesn't mean that my behavior or my conduct is making me or showing to others that I am like my father who is in heaven.
So John 13, 35 says, by this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. It's now based on behavior. Now we're not just looking at the inside, we're now looking at the outside. What are you portraying on the outside? Let's go to the behavior. Everyone will know, what Jesus was saying was, everyone will know that you are carrying my DNA if you act like me. I loved you, so now I need you to go and love others. If you are like me, people won't question that you are my disciples. And so you have to be intentional with the behavior. You have to be intentional with the times that you're expressing it. You have to be intentional with how you're expressing it. You have to be intentional even with the opportunities that you create to express it. Because sometimes our excuse is, well, you know what, I just, I don't even have an opportunity. Then create one. Well, you know, we're always busy. We don't really have time to go on dates if it's a priority for you. You'll make time for it. Well, you know, my kids just always want to do their own thing, and, they, and, and it doesn't really see, they just want to be on TV or on Nintendo or whatever. If it's a priority for you, make time for it. Well, you know what, my job is just, I don't know, like my boss gets on my nerves, and it's just, I don't, I don't even want to, I don't even want to get near him or her, or that coworker that's getting on my nerves. Be intentional with the way that you demonstrate love. Somebody who is intentional with love, when somebody's nagging or getting on your nerves, instead of walking away, love, come back, love comes back and says, how can I serve you today? When someone's probably doing something to us that might, might, might seem a little, you know, out of place, it's, 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 it's not really rubbing us the wrong way, and, and it might be because they're stressed out or, or we're seeing that they're working hard and they're not really trying to make time for us, you know. And so maybe what we do is we come back and we say, what can I do today to help make your life a little less stressful? Or maybe it's seeing the kids or seeing your friends, seeing your kids maybe in, in a place where, yeah, they might be spending too much time doing other things, and, and you want to be intentional about separating time. Let's go get some ice cream. Let's go play in the park. Or love even says, you know what, I'm not going to wait for a friend to pick up the phone. Let me call to check in and to see what I can connect in prayer with you for. You, you ever have those friends where when they, they call you, you look at the number and you're like, oh my God. Like you have a debate with yourself for those 12 seconds that the phone rings about whether or not you wanna pick up. <laughs> and then by the time you're getting ready to pick up, it hangs up and you're like, well, I guess I just, yeah, I just, I missed that call, sorry. <laughs> but how amazing would it be if that friend left a message and said, I know that whenever I call, it's usually to complain about everything that's going wrong in my life. But today I was calling because I wanted to know how you're doing and what I can connect in prayer with you for. I would fall out of my seat. That is what love does. That is how love transforms us. That is love that is grounded. 
Also, when something is grounded, as I said earlier, it's prohibited or prevented from moving out of its set boundaries. So once a building is grounded, it's not moving. You can't pick this building up and all of a sudden, you know, just transfer it over to a different location. It's been grounded here. This is where it's been established. This is where it was built. So it's been grounded here. It's the same thing as when we ground our children. We set boundaries. We might take things away because we're prohibiting things from taking place. So we're setting the boundaries in the same way when we're grounded in love, we consequently have a boundary of love established around everything that we do. That is the confine, that is the boundary that we set, that Christ has set for us. Anything that is outside of this boundary of love, anything that does not look selfless is not love and therefore I shouldn't do it. So being grounded in love. What Paul was trying to say here is that any time we are in a position, whether it's in our marriage, whether it's at work, whether it's with our children, whether it's with our relationships, our friendships, whatever it might be, whenever we are in a position and getting ready to take an action, perform a behavior, make a decision that is outside of the confines of love, outside of the boundary that love has set, love will pull us back because we've been grounded on it. What love does when you are truly rooted and then on top of that grounded on love, what it does is that anytime I'm about to step out of what I'm supposed to do, maybe I'm about to do something that's selfish, maybe I'm about to do something that, that's all about me and it's, I'm not really thinking about the other person, I'm getting ready to do something that I know is out of order. Love comes in and says, remember where you came from, remember where you were when I found you, remember how how I washed you, I cleansed you, I wrapped you in grace, I wrapped you in my love, I gave you mercy, I extended it to you. Remember where you came from. Don't ever get to a place where you think too highly of yourself that you don't remember what I've done for you. Don't ever think too highly of yourself that you don't remember the condition that I found you in. Don't ever think too highly of yourself that you forget that I was the one that reached you, that I loved you with an everlasting love, that I gave up my only son, the only thing that I had for you, for the possibility of you loving me back. Don't ever forget the price that I paid for you. It was a high price because I loved you. And so when we remember what love has done and that the foundation that we stand on is Christ and that if it hadn't been for what he did for us on the cross, love pulls us back and prohibits us from taking an action that is outside of its boundaries. That is being grounded in love. And so this is the type of love that Paul was speaking about when he wrote this letter to the church. So in conclusion, I want to read to you 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verses 1 through 3. If I speak with tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. 
If I have the gift of prophecy and know all the mysteries and all the knowledge, and if I have all the faith so as to remove mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned but do not have love, it profits me nothing. We can't love others if we first haven't experienced love for ourselves. You can't love like that when you haven't been a recipient of a love like that. And the benefit that we have today as believers is that Christ extends his love freely to us. There is nothing that we have to do to earn it. There is nothing that we have to do to take hold of it. It is free, but it does take effort and intention to receive it. It's the type of love that when it shows up on our doorsteps, we wouldn't even recognize it because we can't understand how someone could love us the way that he did. But when we allow the love of Christ to fill our hearts, when we allow ourselves to be rooted in his love, to be grounded in his love, it gives us the power to be able to love others the way that he loved us. Thanks so much again for tuning in. I hope that you join us the next time. If you are in the DMV area, please make sure to come out on a Sunday at 1.30 p.m. You can find more information at myhopecenter.org. And you can also stay connected to us on social media. We are at My Hope Center on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. So you can search us up, connect with us, and uh, I hope to hear from you all and see you all very soon. So until then, peace, love, and God bless.